Something happens when I call that name. Somebody shout that name. Somebody shout that name. Hallelujah. Woo. Put your hands together one more time in this house. Glory to the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Woo. My God, there's a lot of Holy Ghost in this house this morning. Amen. You can be seated if you can for just a few moments. Let me join in and say this morning what a privilege and an honor it is to have all of our guests and our visitors that are in the house of the Lord with us today. Would you help me one more time, Rock Church? Put your hands together. I need to borrow your voice and your hands. Would you help me join together and make some noise for all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. We are so honored to have you. Welcome to Sunday morning at the Rock Church of Fort Myers. And we want you to know that next to Jesus, you are our guest of honor today. And we count it a privilege that you would come and spend your Sunday morning in the house of the Lord with us. If you're here for the first time, you should have received a VIP invitation card when you came in to the front doors this morning. That card is an invitation for you to join us right after the service in a room that we've prepared with some light refreshments. We have a small gift that we'd like to give you just as a token of our appreciation for you being here. So uh, we want you to come and we just want to get a chance to shake your hand, let you know how much we love you. If you're here for the first time and you didn't receive one of those, if you'll just slip your hand in the air, one of our staff members will get one of those to you immediately. But we look forward to having you join us for a few moments right after the service this morning. Anybody thankful for the presence of the Lord in this house today? My God, my God, my God. We are in the midst of God doing just some incredible things this past week, we had several people baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Great reports coming from our churches in the country of Haiti, experiencing tremendous revival there. I'm so grateful for what the Lord is doing, and what a privilege and honor it is to be in the house of the Lord right here in the great city of Fort Myers, Florida, on the banks of the beautiful Caloosahatchee River in downtown Fort Myers, the city of Palms. Amen. Amen. We realize not everybody gets the privilege of uh, going to church and having church in such a beautiful place as this. Amen. We ain't mad at you. Uh, but you, we know you wish you was here. <laughs> Amen. We're grateful to be in the house of the Lord. One of the things that I'm so grateful for this morning is the way that God is pouring out tremendous revival. It was mentioned earlier uh, that so many of the church world are withering away and dying. There's no life. The generations coming up do not find value in what is being presented to them as Christianity and a walk with God. But I'm thankful for Holy Ghost fire. Woo! I'm thankful for Holy Ghost fire. 
that's greater than anything any young person could find anywhere in the world. It's greater than Molly. It's greater than crack cocaine. It's greater than ecstasy. It's greater than the nightclub. It's greater than a football field. It's Come on, somebody. I'm grateful for a Holy Ghost. I'm grateful for the truth of God's Word that is more powerful than anything this world can ever offer. And one of the things that that has produced in this house is a tremendous move of God in the midst of our young people. We are in the midst of an incredible revival uh, concerning our young people from young adults, young couples, uh, teenagers, all the way down to the itty bitties. God is I mean, every week there are young people and children being baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, I thank God for the, for the, the Sunday school stories and, and, and all of those things that we do in Sunday school, but there's nothing like watching our babies experience uh, this glorious truth uh, that is not just a story in a Sunday school room, uh, but it becomes alive in their life uh, and it reaches from them uh, to their brothers and their sisters uh, and mom and dad uh, and grandma and grandpa uh, and auntie and uncle. Uh, oh, how many of you thank God for using young people? And, and God has blessed this church with incredible leadership in the children and young people of this house. Amen. We have uh, several different ministries that intersect our young people. Uh, we have uh, Pastor and Sister Spalaza, who are our youth pastor and pastor's wife. I give them great honor this morning. Would you help me thank God for them? We've done such an incredible job this year. Uh, they helped lead the charge as we put together one of the most powerful conferences that I have ever been to in my life. Impact National Youth Conference this year. Absolutely amazing. And, and they played such an integral role in helping put that together, their leadership, their anointing. And then, of course, uh, in our children, we are blessed and privileged to have the leadership of Pastor and Sister Naeem and Jillian Hammond. Amen. And they are turning this city upside down with the anointing and the call of God that's in their life. Amen. This year, uh, they put together their, their large uh, annual uh, Push Vacation Bible School VBS, it was out of this world. No pun intended. <laughs> it was incredible. Every year I say, man, how are they going to outdo this next year? And this year they did it again, and it was incredible. And before we even had VBS, there was a wave of revival hitting our young people. It has been carrying through. How many of you are thankful for this kind of leadership? And they could not do what they do by themselves. Both of these leadership teams have incredible people, anointed, God-called, 
Holy Ghost-filled people that work alongside them. Would you help me thank God for all of the staff involved with our Kids Zone Department and Heat Department? Come on, would you help me? I think we should give a standing ovation to all of the amazing people that work uh, diligently with our children and our babies. Oh, yes. There is no greater treasure in my life than the children that God has blessed me with. And so I do not take lightly the people who are in their life who speak into them and have influence in their lives. And I am so thankful. I am so grateful that God has blessed this church with the incredible leadership that he has. We are living in unprecedented times where there is an all-out attack on the children, the teenagers, and the young adults in our world. This has not just started. This, for decades now, has been a push from Satan and his kingdom to change the hearts and the minds of the future of this world. But in recent days, in recent months, in recent years, there has been an escalation of the efforts of the enemy to indoctrinate our babies through the venues of uh, Hollywood, television, the gaming system, through every media and avenue possible. Schools have become not so much a place of education as they have become a place of indoctrination. Where they are not just teaching our children that one plus one equals two. And they are not just teaching our children real science and biology, but they are trying to influence and come against the God nature of humanity. It's quiet in here. And so I thank God for God called anointed leaders in this day and age that will stand flat-footed against the enemy on behalf of our children, on behalf of our babies, on behalf of our young people. And they're not just standing in Sunday school classrooms teaching, but they're on their knees uh, praying and doing spiritual warfare. They are, uh, they are in the highways and the byways uh, pulling children out of the pits of hell. I, if I got started this morning, I could tell story after story. I know they wouldn't want me to make a big deal out of this kind of thing, but I'm just going to tell it. Even just this past week, there was an escalated situation with some of our Sunday school kids that are just in a, a satanic-induced environment. And our children's pastor and his wife worked with that family and brought those children into their home overnight to provide a shelter and a refuge for them and help them through a moment of darkness. These are the kind of leaders and people that we have working with our children and working with our babies. And with everything that is going on in society, I, I felt impressed several weeks ago to ask Pastor Hammond to come to this desk and deliver a word from the Lord to this house. We've been trying the past week, 
<laughs> but the Lord has had other plans in our services. But this morning, I've asked him to come and deliver the word of the Lord to this house. Would you help me stand all across this building? And would you help me prepare? How many of you came hungry? That's all right. How many of you came hungry for what God wants to do in this place? Come on, did you come hungry for the word of the Lord and, and, and desirous of a move uh, of the Holy Ghost? Would you help me put your hands together one more time and give God a great praise uh, for the leadership and the ministry of Pastor Naeem Hammond? Come and preach to us, son. Come on, somebody. Go ahead, give, give our God some praise right now. We thank you, Jesus. If it wasn't for him, we would all be lost. We would all be. But thank God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you are great, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You guys can be seated for a quick moment. You know, I'm just so thankful for God. Amen. You know, that's something I say a lot. God, I'm so thankful for you. But it's true, church. I'm thankful that, that he decided to look down upon me and to save me and to save you. Amen? It's a personal thing. When, when he was on Calvary, it was a personal thing. He said, I'm going to die for Naeem. He said, I'm going to die for Malachi. He said, I'm going to die for these people because I love them. And I just owe my life to him. Amen. Bishop, I just want to give thanks to the amazing leadership that we have in this house, the, the bishop of the church of the Rock Church of Fort Myers. Amen. I'm so thankful for you following God's spirit and allowing God to move so often. Every single time we come into this house, we don't miss a beat. We always are feeling the heartbeat of God in this house. Amen. I'm so thankful for your prayers. I'm so thankful for, for you leading us and trusting in us and, and allowing God to use you, to use us. Amen? I'm just so thankful for that in this house. I'm so thankful for my wife. I know she's here somewhere. Hallelujah. Every time, every time I, I'm, I'm worried about something, I can always rely on her to, to get me back on track, amen, to get me focusing on God, focusing on the kingdom, focusing on these children, focusing on what we need to do, amen, amen. I just want to also, I want to thank my staff, all of them that are in here today, hallelujah, go ahead. You guys are a blessing. You guys are a blessing. Bishop, when you asked me to preach, as Brother Trevor will let me know, a week ago, <laughs> I, um, you asked, he, he came up to me, we were having fun, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be more social, I'm trying to hang out more with people, and I'm out there, we're hanging out, and taps me on my shoulder and says, do you have a word for tomorrow morning? And I've never preached Sunday morning. So I say, like, oh, yeah, a word, I have a word. S Sunday morning. <laughs> so my wife, we had to go. We brought someone to this party. It's like, hey, we got to go. Let's go. I need to go home right now and seek God. Amen. But, you know, God, sometimes people will say, you know, 
oh, God had, um, God had something different planned out, you know. And Bishop talks about this all the time, that technically that's, that's not the right things, right? Because we know God knows the end from the beginning, amen. But we had to line ourselves up with God and what he's doing, amen. In the pest control world, they will say that application doesn't always mean causation. So just because you apply something doesn't mean that's what caused the situation to occur. For instance, if you throw out mothballs into your yard and the rat goes away, it doesn't mean that because you threw those mothballs out that the rat actually went away, but the rat could have just went away. Maybe the rat got ran over by a car and you just never seen it no more. So sometimes we think when we're praying, you know, we're, we're application, we're praying, God, I'm not sure if I'm ready to preach this word. <laughs> Can you move it to the next service? Sometimes, you know, God's not doing that. <laughs> God has set it up so that the people that are in this house this morning will hear this word. Amen. If you're in this house this morning, you're here for a reason. God has your number. God has your mail. And God wants to speak to you this morning. If you will allow him, if you will open your hearts, if you will let your mind be focused on the preached word, God is going to speak to you this morning. Amen. Amen. Let us all stand for the reading of the word. We're going to turn to a famous scripture that we all should know. Deuteronomy 6 and 4. <laughs> Hallelujah. When you have it, say amen. Amen. Deuteronomy 6 and 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Or Shema Yisrael, Adonai Yadohinu, Adonai Yakad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently. Somebody say diligently. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. We will turn to the book of Judges, chapter 2, verse 10. And it reads, and also... All that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation. Somebody say another generation. Another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And with the help of the Holy Ghost, I would like to preach to us this morning our responsibility. Let's go lift our hands right now and talk to our God. Somebody lift our voice to him right now. If we don't have God in this, we, we might as well just go home. We don't need to be here right now. But we want our God in this right now. Jesus, God, that you will move through us, God. God, give us ears to hear, God. Give us eyes to see, Lord. Give us a heart to understand, God. Let us be hearers and doers of this word, Jesus. Lord, your word is anointed, God. Your word is anointed, Jesus. So, Lord, we're asking for you, God, to continue to move and to bless us right now in the matchless name of Jesus. You guys may be seated. Amen. 
Child neglect is defined as any confirmed or suspected act or omission by a parent or a caregiver that, are, that deprives a child of basic age-appropriate needs and thereby results in physical, psychological, and might I add, spiritual harm. Child neglect encompasses abandonment, lack of appropriate, of appropriate supervision, failure to attend to necessary emotional or psychological needs, and failure to provide necessary education, medical care, nourishment, shelter, and or clothing. Neglect is usually typified by an ongoing pattern of inadequate care that may be readily observed by individuals in close contact with a child. School personnel, for example, may detect, may detect indicators of neglect, such as poor hygiene, low weight gain, inadequate medical care, or frequent absences. According to the United States Department of Health and Human Service Tracking, reported rates of neglect in the U.S. are higher than those for other types of child maltreatment. In 2016, reports indicate that there were at least 672,000 maltreated children in the U.S. And seven, and seven children per 1,000 were reported victims of neglect, compared with 1.7 per 1,000 for physical abuse, or 0.8 per 1,000 for sexual abuse, and 0.5 for psychological or emotional abuse. While reported rates of other types of child maltreatment have declined significantly, and in recent years, rates of neglect have not declined. From 1990 to 2016, rates of substantiated or proof of physical abuse declined by 40%, and rates of substantiated sexual abuse declined by 62%. While rates of substantiated neglect fell by just 8%, neglect has only fell by 8% from 1990 to 2016. Among all maltreated children, the proportion with reported neglect increases from 49% in 1990 to 75% in 2016. While reported sexual abuse declined from 17 to 9 percent, and the proportion with reported physical abuse declined from 27 to 18 percent, for these reasons, advocates believe neglect merits more attention from researchers, legislators, cl cl um, clinicians. One challenge is that because it is an act of omission, neglect can often be difficult to identify. This is the reason why it is terrible that Bibles are not in schools. I'm not old enough to remember Bibles being in schools, Pastor Sferlaza, but if Bibles were in school, maybe it could have helped me out at a young age. Can I get an amen? A lot of people refer to the Bible as an acronym, which they say means Book of Instructions Before Leaving Earth. B-I-B-L-E, Book of Instructions Before Leaving Earth. In part of those instructions, you will find how you are supposed to take care of the next generation. Galatians 3 and 24 says, Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. The whole Old Testament, from Genesis until the book of Malachi, I believe that's the last book of the Old Testament, amen, praise God, <laughs> teaches us 
carnal things, but we understand the spiritual aspect behind it. Amen? So, for instance, the Bible teaches us salvation. If we look back, the Bible teaches us that Adam and Eve sinned. And God made them coats of skin. Coats of skin from animals, might I add. They sinned and something needed to die. The Bible says that sin leads to death. And God could have just killed them right away. But instead, God had mercy on them. And he killed an animal, clothed them with skin. And someone might even add that he used a lamb to cover them. This covering is likened to our covering, where we need to be just like Jesus. I'm sorry, this covering is like our covering, where we need to have a covering just as Adam and Eve had a covering. Adam and Eve sinned, and we have all sinned. We have all fallen short to the glory of God. We've all disobeyed God, but sin leads to death or to hell. We are covered by the blood of the Lamb when we are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins. For as by Adam's disobedience, many were made sinners. But so by the obedience of Jesus shall many be made righteous. Anybody else thankful for that tonight? For the atonement of our souls. Hallelujah. But the Bible also teaches us that Adam and Eve had kids. And we see that this first dysfunctional family happens to be the very first family that was ever created. Mom and dad messed up. They messed up their lives, kicked out of the garden. And mama got pregnant, had some kids. And when she started to raise them, some, one of them didn't have enough fear of the Lord in their hearts. Only one generation after Adam and Eve. We see that Cain is sinning against God. He places his own sacrifice because he felt he wanted to give what he wanted to give God. But the Bible says that in the process of time that they brought forth their sacrifice. Meaning Adam and Eve taught them what was appropriate to bring to the house of God. Adam and Eve taught them what was appropriate for God to accept their sacrifice. What they must give to God. But Adam, I mean, but Cain, he wanted to do what he wanted to do. The very next generation. And God gave him grace. He said, Cain. Why are you angry right now, Cain? Why hast thou countenance fallen? If thou doest well, will that not be accepted? If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And, and this sin wants to take over you. But you need to rule over that sin. You need to tell that sin, no. You need to tell that sin, I will not listen to you. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to have a right spirit. But Cain is a complainer. God didn't take my sacrifice. God didn't bless me with the house, but God blessed so-and-so with the house. God didn't bless me with a, with a wife, or God didn't bless me with a husband, but so-and-so got blessed with it. Cain was wroth. Adam and Eve must have known that this boy had some issues, but they neglected it. You see, Cain, he wasn't like five years old or six, year old, six years old whenever he brought forth the, the sacrifice to God. 
when he had to leave, when God marked him and told him, you're never going to be a tiller of the land anymore, it said he had a wife. Ha. He was old, complaining, bitter, angry with God. But his parents neglected it. Hallelujah. He kills his brother and has a nerve to have a nasty attitude to God and throw a fit. This should have been broken out of Cain as a child. Come on, somebody. But as a grown man, he's throwing a fit. He talks back to God and says, am I my brother's keeper? Or aren't you the one that's supposed to be protecting God, some God you are? Adam and Eve, they knew he had a problem, but they neglected it. Somebody say our responsibility. Noah in the ark, the Bible teaches us that there must be a ship that needs to be built by so many cubits wide, so many cubits high. God was specific on the salvation of his people in that time. Just as he, just as he is specific today. You have to repent of your sins. You have to be baptized in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. And you will get filled with the Holy Ghost. And you know you have the Holy Ghost because you will speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives you utterance. The Bible also talks about that the pitch must be used on the inside and on the outside. What's amazing about this is, is that the pitch shows us that God wants us to take care of both the inward man and the outward man. Come on, somebody. Many denominal Christians say God only cares about the inside of you. He doesn't care about how you look on the outside. The devil is a liar. Some say that God doesn't care about the outside. All this is is just a shell. It's just holding my body and spirit. That's all it is. It's going to fall away. God doesn't care. But can I tell you, Christian, that your body is a temple? It's not a shell. It's a temple of the Holy Ghost. The inside needs to be covered, but the outside needs to be covered. Come on, somebody. Your thought life ought to be holy. What you're looking at ought to be holy. What you're listening to ought to be holy. Can I get an amen in this apostolic church? What you listen to, what you're watching, what, what you're talking about, it must be holy. Your dress needs to be holy. Come on, somebody. While you're taking care of the inside, you still need to be taking care of the outside. You are his billboard. You're his billboard. When people look at you, they ought to say, there's something different about this person. <laughs> Hallelujah. But the Bible teaches us that Noah had kids also. Thank God his kids were probably with him while he was preparing the ark. Some theologians say he, that he was building it for hundreds of years and his family was helping him. And thank God that his family was in the house of God. That his family was cleaning. That his family... I 
I believe this. I believe that we need to have our children in the house of God. I believe that I believe that we need to have them there. They need to see us working. They need to see us sweating. They need to see us loving the things of God. But just because we're working in the house of God, it doesn't mean that they're right with God. I don't care if they're cleaning with you, if they are in ministries with you, or go to midnight prayer with you, that's not enough. If your child doesn't have respect for authority, you're missing something. I said if your child doesn't have respect for authority that's in this house, you're missing something. Because of neglect, you can have a child like him who had no respect not only for his father, but for the man of God that found favor in the eyes of God. He had disrespect to him. Noah, Ham was your responsibility. Somebody say our responsibility. Abraham, the Bible teaches us that Abraham was the first. Abraham was first known as Abram. And he walked and talked with God. But it wasn't until he became Abraham, a name change, and he received a covenant of circumcision. You see, when we come to God, when we're baptized in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, we are named, we are named by that name. Our name now is Jesus. We have a covenant, a covenantal relationship with God. We know that circumcision and the name change is likened to us having a circumcised heart. We don't want the things of this world anymore. We're going to get up. We're going we're gonna to go from among them. Bible says, get thee out from among them and be ye separate. He says, come, leave your father's house. I'm going to show you a place where you are supposed to be and your seed after you. When we come to God, we got to get up and say, you know what, world, I'm tired of you. I'm going to find Jesus. I'm walking with Jesus. Hallelujah. The Bible teaches us that we have to leave them. We have to go and find who our God is and obey his words. Amen. First John says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. When we are baptized, we take on a new name. It's like getting married. We are the bride of Christ. And when we get married, we take on his name. My wife, when she married me, she didn't take on the titles male, person of color, and handsome. She took on the name Hammond. We are the bride of Christ. To take his name, we need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Not the Father, not the Son, not the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus Christ. But the Bible also teaches us that Abraham had two sons. God only recognized one because he says in another place, who is my mother and who are my brethren? For whoever does the will of God, the same is my mother and my brother and sister. Abraham, Hagar, wasn't the will of God. But this is your responsibility. Now you have a son outside the will of God, which which some would say is a good reason as to why Esau, the next generation, or two generations from you, didn't receive the inheritance because of bitter Ishmael. 
Bitter Ishmael was talking about all the bad things that the firstborn supposed to get. But you see, I was the firstborn and I didn't get anything. I'm telling you, parents, it's important for us that we make sure that our children, they aren't talking about, about the bad things of God. Because there are no bad things of God. Somebody say, our responsibility. The Bible teaches us that Moses and how he handled the Passover and the crossing of the Red Sea. All these things are just powerful things. These things are carnal examples for spiritual applications. He would not, the Passover, they had to kill a lamb. Take the blood of that lamb. Am I, am I being repetitive too much? Sometimes you repeat yourself so you can understand. It's good teaching. If you hear something over and over again, you might, hmm, maybe, maybe this man is trying to say something. The Passover, they take, they have to kill a lamb without spot or blemish. And they take that blood of the lamb and put it over the doorpost. When they did this, God was coming to bring forth judgment. And when God came to visit each home, if the blood was there, he would pass over that house. He would not bring forth the judgment that they should have had to that home because of the fact that they obeyed his word. When we get baptized in Jesus' name, come on somebody, it remits our sins. God sees us, we're all sinners, but when we get baptized, he doesn't see us as sinners, he sees us as righteous. He sees us as, as Jesus Christ. So when God comes, he will pass over you. He won't send you to hell. He will pass over you, let you go to heaven and judge everybody else around. That's why it's important if you're wrestling in your spirit whether or not you need to get baptized, today is the day for salvation. Now is the time. But then, when Moses was taking the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, again, another reference to baptism, they had to leave Egypt. Their backs were, were turned towards Egypt. They had to repent. You can't get baptized without repenting. You need to turn away from the world. You need to put down the cigarettes. You need to put down. Come on, somebody. But you're addicted to it. But, but you know, I, I can't put it down. That's fine. You need to put it down in your heart. You need to tell God, God, I want to let go of these things. And I want to follow you. But they went through the Red Sea or the blood water of Jesus. <laughs> but the Bible also teaches us that Moses had children. The children of Israel. Moses was responsible for these children. He led them out. He showed him the way. But their bitterness and nagging finally got the best of him. He smotes a rock instead of speaking to it. And now he doesn't get to go to the promised land. I've made it in my heart that no matter what happens, I am going to see Jesus. I don't care what my wife does. I don't care how my children act. I don't care how my brother and sister acts. I'm going to go and meet Jesus. I'm not going to allow my wife to make me be bitter with God. I'm not going to allow my children to get me be bitter with God. I am going to do everything I need to do to make it to heaven. 
Theodore, I love you, son. Eleanor, I love you, daughter. But if you guys mess up or do something, you can find me at these altars getting things right with God and seeking for God because I want to make it to heaven. Jesus says in Matthew 10, 37, he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. You can have the world. I just want Jesus. Amen? Now, I'm not just speaking about our physical children as you see. I'm talking about our spiritual children in the house of the Lord. We have 10-year-olds, 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 30-year-old children that need to be shown the way. And we can't neglect them. Amen? They are the next generation. My favorite book is the book of Judges. I can't wrap my mind around it, though. You see, Israel, they keep going into sin over and over and over again. It's like a mystery. I'm, I'm trying to wonder, why do they keep falling back into these sins? But Judges 2 and 10 says it clearly. It says, there arose a generation which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Joshua was a precursor to the book of Judges. He didn't handle everything correctly. He wasn't perfect, but nobody is. But one of his major flaws was that he did not bring up somebody that understood the things of God. He didn't. I'm not talking about one-time Bible study on the oneness of God. I'm not talking about a one-time Bible study about repentance. I'm not talking about fellowship here and there and, and never talking about the things of God. I'm talking about he never mentored someone and showed them the things of God. Someone he told things of God to when they were getting ready to go to sleep. Somebody that he told the things of God to whenever they're just hanging out and chilling. Somebody that he was telling the things of God to whenever they woke up. Whatever they did, they were always talking about God. But Joshua didn't have that. Their small talk wasn't even on the things of God. This generation knew not the Lord. And instantly we see that they're serving the devil. Judges 2, beginning at verse 11, it says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods, or the gods of the people that were round about them, and bowed themselves unto them, and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. They didn't have mothers or fathers that said to them, no, baby girl, we dress like this. No, son, we don't listen to that music. Son, we dance in church because it's worship and praise to our God. We don't dance like we're in the club. Son, we pray before bad things happen. Because we want to be with our God. We want to talk to him. We want to have conversation with him on a daily basis. But daughter, when things bad do happen, we still talk to our God. Because we're trusting and believing that God is going to bring us through. The leaders, the parents, those with influence were only concerned about their own salvation. Just one generation. I'm just trying to get to heaven. 
And that's a good mindset. We need to worry about ourselves. The Bible says to save yourselves from this untoward generation. But we also need to be responsible. We owe it to the next generation. We owe it to them to tell them the things of God. To share with them what God has brought us through. Amen? But because they didn't teach them the things of God, they just copied the nations around them. They neglected the next generation. And they started, the kids started listening to the kids in public school about not believing in God or I don't go to church so often. We have fun and we do this and we do that. And we have kids that are worshiping the gods of this world, like rappers like, like the baby or, or Cardi B. The parents and those with responsibility decided that God had it. God could control it. God is in control. God's gonna take care of my children. I'm serving God. God can handle them. God handled me. God's going to worry about them. There is this neglect that occurs sometimes if we're not careful. We will neglect to take care of our children. Yes, God is in control. And part of his control is what he commanded you to do. And what does he say? To teach them diligently unto your children. Come on, somebody. He gave us the word for a reason. We ought to follow it. We love quoting, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. But when it comes to teaching our children diligently, RCA can handle that. Pastors for Laza and Heat can handle that. The people in the kids' zone, they can handle that. Bishop preaches, you listen to your pastor, he can handle that. No, 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 no. The Bible says that we must teach them diligently unto our children. It's not God's will for your children to taste of the world and to have a bitter taste of the world in their system. It's God's will for them to be set apart and separated and taste and see the goodness of the Lord. But God was angry with the children of Israel. And he gave them over to the world. You see, this is what happens if you only put it in God's hands. If you put it in God's hands, God has to teach them a certain way. God's going to have to send them and give them things and put them in bondage so that maybe they might look up and see God. But we need to be able to be in that ministry where we don't have to let our kids to go through this bondage so that they don't have to necessarily look up because of the affliction that they're in. But they can just look up before they get into that affliction and know that God is real, that God is alive, that he's out there. He helped my mom and dad out. He can help me out. They would not. But Judges 2 and 17 says, and yet they would not hearken unto their judges. But they went a whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. It's not just the man of God that needs to instill biblical principles to the rest of the flock. A judge can only do so much. It's our job to take what we are learning and studying and digest it and feed it to our children in ways that they can handle. Sunday school teachers, it's up to us to take this word, digest it, and feed it to the children in ways that they can handle. 
We need a community effort in teaching the things of God. I hear this all the time that, you know, come to, come to this place, come to this place. We need to learn balance. And I'm like, balance? Balance of what? We need to be praying more. We need to be reading more. We need to be fasting more. These social events are amazing. That's good. But when we have these social events, we should be talking of the things of God. We should be sharing testimonies. Come on, somebody. The devil is working overtime. He's speaking to us when we sleep. He's speaking to us through the news. If you're watching TV, through the television, the devil is talking to you. We need to work overtime to make sure we're hearing the things of God. Why is it that the fathers walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they, the children, did not do so? Is it possible that the fathers and mothers were lax on their children? I just, you know, I just want them to be children. I want them to grow up. I don't want them to, to, to have to wear this or have to wear that. I want them to choose. Is it possible they were lax with their children? The little child, you know, he talked bad against, uh, you know, maybe it wasn't someone in leadership, but it was an adult. Oh, he's just, he's just sleepy. He's tired right now. Some people think I'm crazy because sometimes my son, he'll have an attitude. And you know what? i got to pop him right there because you know what? It's not, no, no, sir. You respect an adult. You respect him. I don't care how you're feeling right now. You're hungry? That's fine. You say hi to your brother and sister. Can I get an amen? They just figured that their kids would just, you know, follow their footsteps. But doesn't that kind of sound like neglect? I mean, it's only normal, right? It's only natural to follow the footsteps of your father, right? <laughs> I believe it is only natural to follow in the footsteps of your parents if they aren't living for God. Because that's what the enemy wants. It's natural. He's going to talk to that child. You're going to be just like your father if your father is an alcoholic. You're going to be just like your mother if your mother's a prostitute. You're going to be just like so-and-so. My God. Don't misquote me. I'm not saying that no matter what, if these children are in a bad situation, that no matter what, they have to be like their parents. It's not true. I'm a living testimony right here. Come on, somebody. It's possible for them to not choose the same paths as their parents. But I'm telling you, the enemy, the prince and power of this world, he is talking to these children. And he's not going to tell them, go ahead, Brother Judah, be just like your dad. The enemy's not going to tell you that. My God. The enemy of, the enemy of your soul is conditioning you talking to you and telling you to be everything that you see if it's negative. But what about, like I said, Brother Judah, what about a pastor's kid to just grow up in church and just become just like his dad? But the pastor isn't teaching his child diligently the things of God. I believe it's easier for that pastor's kid to backslide than it is for him to be successful. Because there is an enemy after your soul 
telling you that you will never live up to what your dad has, do has done. That you're never going to be anointed just like your mother. Therefore, you'll never be like them. If you aren't intentional on teaching your children and molding your kids and keeping them away from ungodly surroundings, then your kids are going to serve the things of their surroundings. The children of Israel had many judges. They had Ophniel, they, he delivered him out of the children, from the children of wherever, and Ehud delivered them, and Deborah delivered, and Gideon, and Tola, and Jair, and Jephthah, and Ibzan, and Elon, and Abnon, and Samson. All these judges delivered the children of Israel out of sin. But I can't find anywhere in my Bible where it says that they taught their children or the next generation the things of God diligently. It's important for us, church, and I'm going to emphasize this, to develop a culture of teaching everyone around us. The people we fellowship with, the people that we're constantly talking to on the phone with, to, to the things of God and not gossip. The things of God and not bitterness. The things of God... Maybe you're in a house this morning because you want to give your children a better life than you had. But maybe, you know, this is your first time here. That's why it's important for you to hear what the word of God says. If you want a new life, you can have a new life this morning. You could be changed this morning. If you need the Holy Ghost this morning, God, he can fill you this morning. Amen. But maybe, maybe you haven't been freed from sin yet. That's why it's important for you to come to these altars, for you to, to repent of your sins, for you to obey the scriptures and, and submit to the scriptures and get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And you need to change today, not tomorrow, not next week, but today. Today is the day of salvation. It's our responsibility to live for God and to teach our children the things of God. God didn't bless us with children just so that we can take cute pictures of them on social media. We're blessed with children because God has counted on you to bring them to heaven with you. Let us all stand. It's time for us to let go of the world and go to Jesus. It's time for us to let go of, of, of basic Christianity. It's time for us to let go of, of comfortability and, and, and go for the things of Jesus. The enemy wants to come against our families. And I'm going overtime to make sure that I am serving God and keeping his commandments. Amen. It's time to let go. If you aren't a mother or if you aren't a father, then you should be a spiritual mother and father and help out the people around you. There's many people here, children and adults alike, that need your help. There's kids here. Their parents aren't there for them and they need you. They need your prayers. They need your love. They need your dedication. They need your commitment. They need you. And let's, let's, let's right now, let's just talk to our God right now. 
Because God, you saved us, you called us for a reason, Lord. And we thank you, Father, for saving us. We thank you for redeeming us, God. But we owe it to our children. We owe it to the guests and the visitors. We owe it to them that don't know the things of God. To teach them, to show them. God, you've given us the power, the power to overcome sin. God, you speak to us, God. When we're close with you, Jesus. You give us insight on what we need to do, God, to help our children out, to help our brother and sister out. God, help me to be sensitive to your word, God. Let me be sensitive to your spirit, God. God, I've been selfish lately, God. I've only been worried about me, Jesus. But God, use me, Lord. Use me for that saint. Use me for that soul. Use me, Jesus. That's what I...